Welcome to episode 329 of the AMPM podcast. In this episode, I'm speaking with Don Hennig. Don has revolutionized the way Amazon sellers can get money to grow their business. We talk about that. We talk about a lot of other things around raising money and growing your Amazon business. This is going to be a great episode. Enjoy. Welcome to the AMPM podcast. Welcome to the AMPM podcast. We explore opportunities in e-commerce. We dream big and we discover what's working right now. Plus, plus, this is the podcast where money never sleeps. Working around the clock in the AM and the PM. Are you ready for today's episode? I said, I said are, are you, you ready? Ready. Let's do this. Let's do this. Here's your host, Here's your host Kevin King. Kevin King. Don Hennig, how are you doing, man? It's great to see you and welcome to the AMPM podcast. You know, Kevin, since I joined this industry, I've wanted to be on the AMPM podcast. So thank you very much for inviting me. I'm really, you know, excited about it and honored to be on it. And to do anything with you is pretty cool. So that's, I'm excited. I'm excited. That's all you got to say. I appreciate that. I don't understand why everybody always says they want to be on the AMPM podcast. We have 17 listeners. And so it just, <laughs> but everybody wants to be on so that those 17 people can actually hear. No, I'm just kidding. We have a, a lot more than 17 yeah. listeners, uh, a lot of listeners. So welcome, man. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you, Kev. You know, we run into each other at different events from time to time. We actually uh, yep. spoke at one point back in like uh, during the pandemic because uh, I was uh, yep. desperately looking for some money and, and someone told me you have bags of money just sitting around your house. And so I was like, I, I, Don's the guy to call. Uh, but you, you haven't always, we'll talk about the money side of things. And that's always a, a problem for people when, um, when they're growing their e-commerce businesses is, is cash flow and money. Uh, but you've dealt with money before dealing with e-commerce. You were dealing with a lot of money in what I think the film business, doing producing films and uh, yeah. then in real estate. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, the backstory of Don. You know, my story is kind of crazy because I've done so many different things in different industries. You know, uh, most people find an industry, they do well, they stay in that industry for the rest of their life. And for me, I started out as a financial planner. I started my first financial planning company. I learned about the mortgage industry and it was just really kicking off. I started a mortgage company. I built that to one of the largest in New York, sold that. I started a mortgage broker franchise, never been done before, a new industry. Sold that in 18 months. Uh, didn't know what to do. So I looked around. I love being on the fields with my kids. So this is pre-digital. I started a soccer newspaper, became the official newspaper for New York State Soccer. 167,000 copies a month, 32 pages, half of it ads. I did everything. I was a, the only employee. Sold that. You know, technology businesses I built and, and sold and got back into the mortgage business and built one of the largest companies in, 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 the, in the nation. I was uh, not the owner of it because it was a publicly held firm, but I built uh, my divisions of it to doing, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars and earning hundreds of millions of dollars in net profit. And the nice thing was I was paid on profit, uh, which was which was very good. I Got tired. I bought and sold 300 houses in 18 months, every one of them for a profit. And I just stopped doing that. I didn't like it. Uh, I started an entertainment company to help somebody out from scratch. And we did eight feature length films with the biggest name stars like Tom Cruise and Natalie Portman and you know uh, Mark Ruffalo, on and on and on. We won two awards at, at, at Sundance, which was a riot. 
uh, also created, we created and produced the Broadway show Rock of Ages, which ended up as the 30th longest running play of all time. And we did the movie Rock of Ages, which was a lot of fun too. Uh, so we've done a lot. You know, when we were out at Sundance, what we did is, you know, having Rock of Ages, we flew the band and the, the actors and everything from Rock of Ages out to Sundance, out to Park City for a big party. So needless to say, we were the, you know, the, the, the key party for Sundance those two weeks. It was a riot. Best thing ever. A lot of fun. What was your role in, in these movies? Was it producing and raising the money or was it what, what, what was your exact uh, involvement and role? You know, with the movies, I was more of a producer, but I didn't want my name attached to the movies just because I felt that the people that were in the industry, my partners that were true producers, they should get their names up there. I shouldn't have my name up there. It's meaningless. And I didn't want it to be an ego play. I, I don't like that. So I chose not to have my name, you know, in bright lights, if you will, but I was involved in everything. I own the company. Uh, so we would go out and find these scripts and then we would decide, OK, this is a script that we want to make. Then we'd go out and we'd find a, a house that would say, yeah, you make that movie, we'll we'll buy it. And then we'd go out and raise the money. And then at the same time, attaching actors and actresses to these movies and then, you know, working on the scripts and the whole bit and then finally filming the movies. And, uh, you know, I was offered to be in every one of them, but I wouldn't be in any of them because I didn't think that was smart. I didn't I didn't like the whole idea of it. But uh, it was fun, you know, meeting people like Tom Cruise, let's say, you know, very fun. You know, it's just fun stuff. So were you doing this from the East Coast or did you move out to the West Coast to do this? Or have you always been based on the East Coast? Yeah, I'm a Brooklyn boy at heart. So uh, our office was in Beverly Hills. That's where my partners were. And so I would fly out there once a month. And, you know, naturally, I'd fly out there. I'd stop in Vegas for a night and have a great time and win some money and then go over to uh, Beverly Hills and work for a few days or a week and then come home. But, yeah, I spent a good amount of time out there. So raising money, I mean, as e-commerce sellers, we'll talk about raising money uh, in, in, in just a little bit. But for raising money for films, that's really difficult. There's no Helium 10 tool that can say, hey, this film is going to resonate with this. I mean, you do focus groups. You're like, this is the audience we're going after. But it's it's a, it's it's worse than probably a rolling the dice on the craps table. I mean, when you're raising money for a film. So how hard is that to do? Or is it more of an ego play where people just, uh, you know, because Tom Cruise is attached, they want to get involved? Or how does that work? Yeah, it's very difficult. And um, it's an ego play. It's also a tax play. So... At any given time, and I'm not up to speed on it right now, but at any given time, some state, some country, some county is offering ridiculous tax breaks if you do your movie there. So, you know, we would do a movie in, in Georgia or, in, you know, we did uh, Rock of Ages down in Florida, which was a lot of fun. But raising the money. So we would first look at the script. Then we would figure out who we could tie to the script. We would reach out to those actors and, and their uh, agents and, you know, here's the time frame that we're going to do it. We want to tie Tom Cruise, let's say, to Rock of Ages. Here's the role we want him to do. And I'll, I'll just give you this quick story because it's kind of interesting. So with Tom, we uh, hooked him into uh, Rock of Ages and he agreed. And we're like, holy cow, this is unbelievable. You know, this is ridiculous. Now, he's going to be the star, which means he's going to be a an older, drunken, fallen down, you know, uh, rock and roll star. That's just an obnoxious person. 
and he's got to sing these tremendous songs. Well, three months, maybe four months go by with, you know, week after week, his agent saying, oh, yeah, no, he's in, he's in, he's in and never signed the contract. And we're like, oh, my God, we like, what are we doing here? We're out raising all this money on his name. And then we had Alec Baldwin and, you know, one name after another. We tied them all together because they all knew that Tom Cruise was the lead. So the, the, the cast was, you know, legendary, really. So eventually we find out that he's signing the contract. He signs the contract. And what happened? Like we were interested. Why did it take so many months? Because here's what this guy's about. He's going to do his first musical, his first singing on, on, you know, on film. And so he hired a, a voice coach and he hired our music director without us knowing. And every day for those months, he would go into a studio and he'd perform all the songs and get his voice to the point where it was impeccable. And then once he felt like he could be a, a superstar, then he's a real rock and roll star. Then he signed the contract. Wow. And he sang all those songs. He and separately, he did a whole concert that's not on uh, in the movie, but where he was doing uh, ACDC songs. The guy was unbelievable. Amazing. And you had like Catherine Zeta-Jones in that. And I think, what was it? Uh, yeah. Guy, uh, Brian Cranston. Oh, yeah. Brian Cranston. I forgot he was in it. And that's uh, right. Alec Baldwin uh, and Russell Brand. Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, what's the, the girl's name? Julianne from, uh, who? Dance Works. Julianne. Julianne Huff. Yeah, yeah Huff. Julianne yeah. Huff. Yeah, she's amazing. Beautiful voice. It was unbelievable. It was it was a lot of fun. But the the show, the, the Broadway show, was better than the movie. So do you have do you have a Tom Cruise of a crew me? Uh, <laughs> you know, I do all of our own stunts. <laughs> <laughs> no, no singing karaoke at the Amazon events. No, that's not me. Trust me, that is not me. Uh, I'm the guy in the back making fun of those people. <laughs> Although Liz Downing tells me she's she's the best at it. So yeah, I've seen her. I'm uh, sure she is. Yeah, at the Empower of uh, well, no, where was it? At some event. Uh, I've seen her uh, do a little bit of singing on on the on the karaoke. So so we, so you went from from producing films and doing stuff in real estate. And then what did you semi retire and then got bored and decided to uh, start a crew me or how did, or did, did you have a friend in the Amazon space? That's like, it was fascinating to you. How'd you get involved in this, this, this Amazon e-commerce stuff? You know, here's the deal. I, um, I ended up stopping work and I was making millions of dollars and I was an employee in, in a very large mortgage company running nationwide sales. And, you know, I decided it's just not what I want to continue to do. I wanted to do something else. I don't know what. So I quit and I left you know millions of dollars on the table and I walked away and I said, you know, all I want to do really is clean my drawers and clean my uh, my closet, you know, like whatever, just organize life. I had no desire, no plan. Well, that lasted five years where for five years I didn't work. I. Uh, you know, would golf a couple times a week. I'd play racquetball almost every day, go to the gym every day. Uh, you know, all sorts. We travel all over the world at, at a drop of a hat. Somebody would say they're having a party for somebody's birthday and wherever. We'll be there. It didn't make a difference. Uh, my wife and I, we, we boat. So, you know, we had a nice boat. We went everywhere. We had a lot of fun. And then I made the big mistake, Kevin. 
I'm coming out of the city after having um, a, a meeting in the city, and I thought of an old friend of mine from the mortgage industry from 20 years earlier. I haven't talked to him, and I just sent him a little note just to, you know, I think of somebody I want to send him a note, wish them well. I sent him a quick note. Hey, man, I hope all is well. Uh, you know, that's it. He sent me back. Let's have lunch. We did. Anyway, over time, he tried to get me involved in different businesses. I kept telling him, I'm done. I'm not doing it. Then he told me about Amazon and that there were millions of Amazon sellers. And one thing I've always done in my career is help people grow businesses. I don't need to be paid for it. I just try to help people any way I can. That's my whole career has been made of just helping people. And, um, you know, so I looked at that and mentoring younger people. And I was I, I went to bed that night. And you might you might understand this, but most people in this industry won't understand this. When you're younger, you go to bed and you dream these big dreams. You're going to you know, have the biggest boat. You're going to have this huge house. You're going to do this big business, whatever it might be. Well, you know, I'm 63 right now. So I was like 59, 60 years old at that point. I don't have those dreams anymore. And that night I went to bed and I saw myself in a dream talking to a crowd, you know, on stage, thousands of these Amazon sellers. And I don't know what I was saying, but I was helping them grow their businesses. And I felt so good. And I woke up in the morning. I'm like, holy shit, this is under my skin. I really want to help these people. So that's how that's how I opened my eyes to Amazon and started researching it. And since I have a lending background, I started researching lending. I didn't like anything I saw. Uh, I could tell you that story as well, because it's kind of interesting. And so we created something that's never been done before, which is not an easy thing to do. You know, lending's been around for 2000 years. We found the way that it should have been done as opposed to the way it's been done. So that, that seems to be a common thing among entrepreneurs. I mean, like you said, you've, you've dabbled and played and, and exited and had fun in many different businesses. They tend to get to yeah. a point where they get a little bit of burnout uh, or they get a, like, I just want to go play golf and uh, go, go sell the boat and travel. And then that lasts a few years to five years, maybe in your case. And then they, they get bored. They like, I got to do something. And because you have all this knowledge and all this experience, it, it seems to be another common thread where they want to give back. They want to help. They want to start a charity or they want to give back and help other people make money at the same time. Don't get me wrong, but, but also yeah. Yeah. Uh, come, come help people. And there's a lot of people in this space that, that need help. There's a lot of people that get into yeah. Amazon specifically that there's some very, very smart people that come into this business and they know the finance and they know everything um, you know, that they need to know and they got a great team. But the vast majority are winging it uh, and they, they, they're, yes. they're either entrepreneurs or they want to be entrepreneurs and they have no clue what they're doing and they get in, a, you can grow so fast on, in this business that you can get in and over your head really, really fast and you can crash it down yeah. by just making one wrong mistake when if you would have just had the right guidance or the right partner or the right uh, information, you could be blowing it up instead of, it, it's really yeah. easy to pivot one way or another. And so that's what you did. You, you're really doing with a crew me as a crew me uh, kind of, like you said, innovated the financial side of things on Amazon, because before there's, I mean, I remember when I first started FBA in 2015, I've been selling on Amazon since 2001, but this FBA model, wow. I started it in 2015 and there was no lending. Uh, I think at that time there was Amazon loans. 
And uh, yeah. I think it had just begun and it was fairly limited. Now it, it's, it's grown quite a bit. And I just saw a statistic uh, the other day, I think $2 billion worth of outstanding loans with Amazon lending or something in that neighborhood right now. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, they have like 1.3 and they're going to double it this year. This yeah, year. that's, that's, that's what it was. It was 1.3 and they're expecting to get to over 2 billion. That's yeah. a, a lot of money. And then there's other companies. Wow. I remember there's one called Bonolio uh, that popped up. And you know they went out of business because they they had too many defaults. And then there's quite a few others that that have, have popped up, and they're all some version of a traditional loan. You know they'll couch it different ways. And then you had all the on decks and the uh, the blue vines and all these others that that popped up. And some of those uh, have gone the way of a uh, you know the pandemic brought them down because they had too many outstanding things. And then you had cabbage. Yeah, cabbage uh, is is an example. Then you had. You had, I've gone through all these because in 2015, um, I grew so fast. I started with a couple hundred thousand dollars of my money and a, and a partner's money. And then we, we grew so fast, we had to get money from wherever we could. And I didn't have a rich uncle. And the banks at that time were like, I don't understand what the heck you're doing. I'm not going to give you any money. Uh, and so I was using credit cards or I was, I actually had to resort to actually using, I call them mafia loans. And uh, at the time there was, there, there, they're MCA loans, merchant cash advances. And it was a huge, yep. they still exist. They're a little bit more regulated now. Uh, but in 2015, these guys, you could get the money overnight. And you could go to them and say, I need 80 grand. You know, you'd give them access to your bank account or bank statements. They'd look at, see if you have the cash flow. And then they would say, no problem. Uh, here, here's 80, you know, so, go sign this uh this default judgment that they made you sign and get notarized a, a default judgment in advance, FedEx that to them. As soon as they got yep. that back, they wired the money to your account and started taking daily withdrawals the next day. Uh, you know, if, uh, if you got an $80,000 loan, it might be, I don't know what the, it, you had to pay it back in roughly 70 days. So whatever that works out to 1500 bucks a day or something coming out of your account Monday through Friday. And if it was a holiday, uh, then they would double up on that, that next day. Uh, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't miss a weekday. And I was able to yep. actually get those, and that's how I cash flowed the businesses. And I did the math. I said, the interest rate on these is ridiculous, uh, but I had good enough margins. I was like, it's the only way I can get this, keep this going. And I ended up stacking six of these on top of each other. Uh, and, it, it, wow. and I never missed a payment. It became a, a problem, and it started eating. I, at one point, I was having like seven or $8,000 a day come out of my bank account just to pay back those loans. Man. It, it was bad, uh, but that's the only choice I had at that time to grow. And we grew the company. I, I don't have any of those. I, I quit using those uh, in like 2016. I got out of them all uh, in early, actually tw early 2017. I got out of them all and quit using them. But at, to this day, I still get cold calls, probably two or three calls a day. I'm on some list uh, and, you know, someone saying, hey, we, we got your approval for 150 grand. You know, it, so it was very, very difficult and then you had the Amazon lending. I had Amazon lending at the time too. I had, I had everything. Uh, you know, I think at one point there were 17 different companies that I had outstanding wow. loans to just to grow the Amazon business um, because I just didn't have, and we were growing so fast, you know, going into the millions of dollars really, really fast. And I, I had no other choice. Um, and so yeah. that was, uh, uh, I don't wish that on anybody. It was, it was not good. But now we have people like yourself Accrue me where you can actually, in essence, partner with uh, you rather than you right. actually have a vested interest rather than just making interest off of the money, but you have a vested interest in the success of, of the business. So uh, tell right. me, how is Accrue me different than like Amazon lending or something like that? 
Well, you know, I want to just take a quick step back because what you said is about, you know, taking thousands of dollars out of your account every day to pay these loans. You can't grow. And that's no. when, I, when I started this, when I did the research, I called three sellers from my accountants and one was small, one was medium and one was very large. I, I didn't pick it that way. It just happened. I didn't even know what FBA meant. You know, this is how early in the game it was. All right. I knew nothing. And I asked them all a bunch of questions. I just wanted to learn. And I just asked them the same question at the end. I said, so what do you need? They all said, we need good sources of capital. There's no good source of capital. So that's when I did the research. And you'll appreciate this. I saw an ad. And this goes right to what you're saying. The ad was, and you might have seen this ad. It's still out there. Borrow 10000 pay back eleven. It's that simple. I'm like, how could I compete with that? That's great. What a deal. Then I researched it. I went and called the company, and uh, they're still around. And I ran a little spreadsheet, and I realized that to make that payment, you'd have to have a 19% ROI per month just to make the payment. Not to put any money in your pocket, not to have any cash flow, just to make the payment. I'm like, this sucks, but how many sellers are going to do that? They're not. So I was like, I don't want anything to do with this. And this is when my partner said to me, well, I literally said to him, I don't want anything to do with this in- industry because it's, it's a little too scummy for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I don't like that. So he said, why don't we do something different? So we brainstormed this idea. And the idea is simple. We'll, as you said, it was, you're, you're right on the money. Instead of lending, we'll invest in the seller on a temporary basis, just for as long as they use our money. Uh, we don't take any equity, so there's you know no no share of ownership, but we invest in the company. We uh, don't charge any interest. We don't charge any fees. We don't have a term. They use the money as long or as short as they want. They use it as a line of credit, so they pay us down. They take out more. It's just on and on, ongoing. They can take out more any if they ask for more and it's available. It's in their account the same day, and all we get and oh we don't have any monthly payments which is pretty unique. And you think about it when you're trying to grow your business, if you don't have to take money out of your business and you can invest it in real good inventory, that's going to turn over fast. You're going to make a hell of a lot of money. But if you're taking, making that decision of sending me money or buying the inventory and you have to send it to me instead of buying the inventory, that's a terrible decision. So we don't have monthly payments. They pay us when it's right for the business. And what we get is a percentage of profits. At a high level, here's the way it works. Very simple. This is the way the math works, all right? It's not the details, but this is the math. The seller ends up with 100% of the profit on their money and half the profit on our money. That's that's the bottom line. It works out that way every single time. So they can't lose. And and what and I'll give you one more thing. What if what if because you might you know relate to this? I've seen so many sellers who have good months and bad months. You know, they make a lot of money and then all of a sudden, whatever happens, they don't make money. They break even or they lose money or they get suspended for a week, a month, three months. Something happens. And what happens? We, they, they get suspended or they don't make any money. We don't make any money because there's no profit. They literally, there's nothing accruing to us. They not only don't have to pay us anything, but we didn't earn anything. So let's walk through a hypothetical example. Let's say I come to you sure. and I, I, I've been running my, I'm sure there's some sort of minimum. What's it, six months or a year? What's your minimum 
uh, selling on six, Amazon? Six months. So, uh, okay. Six months profitable. You know, so we want to see at least the last few months that you're profitable and you know what you're doing. All right. So I, I've been selling, let's say, eight months. And I come to you and I, my last three or four months, of, of, I'm showing, I'm eking out a small little profit. Um, and I say, hey, I need uh, 50 grand. Uh, you take a look at my books and my financials, I'm assuming, do a little bit of uh, due diligence, and then you, you say yes or no, correct? Basically, we only look at one thing. We look at your inventory. So we built a system to analyze your inventory. And so we look at your inventory to see that it's going to turn over on a regular basis and that it's going to be profitable. So you might, let's just say you have 10 ASINs. We might look at it and say, you know, this ASIN, you know, ABC is not profitable, you know, and and Every seller says the same thing to us. Yeah, I know it's a dog. I haven't been able to make money with that in years. And I'm like, so sell it. We're not going to give you money against the dog. So we'll take that one out. And now, but we'll give you money against everything else. So it's basically the inventory that I have in stock. So it, it's basically the inventory that I have. You're, it's almost like in your eyes, it's almost like the collateral that, okay, there's actually something there that can actually generate cash. Uh, in a worst case scenario, right. maybe even liquidate. Um, so basically, the amount of money that I can get from you is not based on what my projections are. Or, hey, I want to do. I got this big thing coming up. It's more based on how much do I have tied up in inventory right now, and how 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 much of that can I free up by by partnering with you? Right, pretty much. Can I give you a quick example? Yeah, that, may, that makes it crystal clear. Small example, very low, twenty thousand dollars. And we go by um, uh, capital. And by capital, there's two big things, capital and profit. So what's capital? From our standpoint, capital is your inventory of cost, plus your receivable from Amazon, plus cash in the bank. So add those up and they come to 20,000. Whatever that number is, maybe it's 100,000, maybe it's a million, whatever that number is, we'll match that number. So let's say it comes out to 20, we'll give you 20. Or less if you want less. We don't push money. We, we just want you to take what you need. So now let's say you're earning a 10% ROI per month. So on your own, you're going to earn $2,000 on that $20,000 of capital. Okay. Now we don't take anything for the first 30 days. After that, we're part of the profit. So, and I'll explain how exactly the details here. So now there's $40,000 working. Month number two, we're assuming you're going to earn, you know, basically the same ROI then and going forward, roughly. So $4,000. Yeah. So now you're going to have 4000 So we're 50%, 50% of the capital. Whatever percentage of the capital we are at any time, cut it in half. So in that case, we would get 25% of the profit for that month. You'd get 75. So now you got $4,000 of profit. You got, you earned 3000 We earned 1000 So you got the 2000 you would have earned on your money plus half the 2000 that you earned on our money. So the the 1000 that I'm paying you then is is that an interest payment I still owe I still got to pay back that original 20000 or does that go against the 20000 or how does that work? Yeah, so so that's our income. So that's, you know, like like interest if you will, except we don't take it. So that $1000 if you want us to take it, you can pay us. We're happy to take the payment. But, you know, I'm going to say at least six or eight months out of the year, most sellers don't make a payment. So that thousand just gets added on. So now you're at 21,000 tw- 21, uh, and the capital splits change the next month. Right. And now you are, you know, 23,000. We're 21. So you are 52 and we're 48. So we get earned a smaller percentage of profits. Okay. Our percentage of profits naturally declines month after month after month. 
So we become a small piece of a much bigger pie. And you get to use all the money and grow, grow, grow. And when you're flush with cash, that's when you should make payments. And it knocks our, ca- our profit percentage down. So what happens when, uh, if, if someone's going to sell, they sell to you know, an aggregator or something and they owe, so, so it's, can some people writing it out until that point, they're just using the capital to grow, 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 and then they're able to sell yep. for a higher multiple. And then when they get that payment from the buyer, they just pay you off or? That's it. Yeah. So, so we have sellers that haven't paid us in over two years. So think about that. And it's not like we're calling them saying, hey, when are you going to pay us? No, we know what they're doing. They're growing and growing and growing and they're going to exit. So we want them to do that. And we've had a few that have exited. And when they've exited, exactly what you say is, you know, at the closing table, we get paid whatever the last amount that we were owed doesn't matter. But typically what happens, what's happened so far is the seller doesn't want to have anything confusing. So a week or two before the closing, they find out what are we owed? They pay us and we're done. So how do you mitigate your risk on that? I mean, like you said, there's good months and bad months. If someone hasn't paid you in two years, you're, you're at risk. You have all that Amazon platform risk. I mean, Amazon could shut their account down for you know a valid reason or an invalid reason and just totally totally crush crush them like they did with us in 2020 on one of my businesses. Uh, yeah. They didn't shut us down, but they, in essence, shut us down because of the algorithm. But what, what would, how do you mitigate against that? Well, you know, in 2020, when they shut everything down, as far as you couldn't send any, any product in, we had a bunch of sellers that went from profitable to losing money. And, you know, they would call me because we were early in the game and they would say, Don, what are you guys going to do? Like, they were very scared. They were very worried. You know, they said, we're not doing anything. This is part of business. You, you didn't do anything. You know, we're going to ride this through and work it through. And that's the end of it. And, you know, three months or so later, they were all profitable again. But it took time for them to build their profits back up to where they were. Uh, you know, it's just part of the game. Correct me if I'm wrong, but don't you have some sort of agreement where the payments from Amazon, when you do a deal, the payments from Amazon, either go into they get switched to like a, a mutual account or like a holding account so that uh, there, you do have you have your finger on the pulse a little bit there? Yeah. So there's two things that we do. One is we become a, a partner in your business, but not an equity partner. We become what we call a profit share partner. So we create a new class of, of membership. Uh, so we own no equity in the business. Once our money is repaid, we have nothing, zero in the business. We don't own anything. Second thing that we do is we open up a new bank account in the company name. So if, it's you, if you're the seller, the bank account is opened up in your company name, and we are the signers on that account. So the money from Amazon goes to that. You handle it all. We don't touch it. So we built a system that shows you everything all the time, 100%. And you go in and say, you know, I need $10,000 wired to my account. We're not looking at that. We only have one rule. We don't want to be more than 50% of the total. So we don't want to have more money in the business than you. Let, use an example. Let's say you have $100,000 of capital and we have $100,000 of capital. And now you want $10,000 to you know, go on vacation. Fine, whatever you want to do, but that makes us have more money in the business than you. So you need to send us ten thousand as well. Now we're both ninety thousand. But let's say you had a hundred thousand and we had fifty. You could take out you know twenty five thousand, knock yourself down to seventy five. Take out another twenty five thousand, knock yourself down to fifty. So if you have a hundred thousand, we give you fifty, and you want to take it all and go on a big vacation, you can do that. 
But if Amazon's paying into this account, then I got to take money out to cover my overhead, to cover my inventory. So I got to do like a balancing act there to keep those, keep it equitable so that you, it doesn't go in. You're not higher than me. Right. But it, it, it hasn't been an issue, really. You know, there, there, there are certain times when sellers are higher than us or, or we're higher than the seller, but we do everything with them. They all know, you know, they got to get us down and we give them some time to do it. So why is this a better way than just getting a term loan or getting uh, something else? What, what are the advantages to this? You know, a term loan is pretty good. So the Amazon deal, when we did all the analysis, it came up to us being the best for growth for the seller and Amazon actually being number two. And that's because their term was a little bit longer. So most of the deals that are out there are, as you said, 70 days or six months or four months or seven months, right. nine months. It creates such a big payment. You can't, your cash flow is dead. You're dead in the water. You can't grow because all your money is going to the lender. With us, you get to manage your business. So it's a variable cost. So as opposed to a fixed cost. So when you have a bad time, you, you're not paying anything and you don't owe anything. So, you know, you, as you know, in business, you'd much rather have variable than, than fixed costs wherever you can. It's so much safer for your business. And then you have the cash flow now to grow, where if you're taking the money out of the business and sending it to a lender, you know, you're not growing. What am I providing to you every month? Am I providing you just a balance, uh, P&Ls and balance sheets and your team and someone on your team is looking over that just or are you guys creating your own version of that with your special software just to keep a pulse on what's happening with your clients or how does that work? Yeah, we, we, we do it all ourselves. So we look at the Amazon account. We see that, that everybody sees. Uh, the bank account we can see. Um, we see where your inventory is. If you have a 3PL, we either get uh, technology reports or um, you know, digital reports or you know, sometimes uh, manually. And we see everything. But we don't ask for reports. We, we don't need them. We don't ask for other bank statements and all that stuff. We don't look at your credit report. You know, it's all based on the inventory. Have you any, had any deals go south in this or is everything uh, worked out? No, not everything's worked out, but very few have gone south. So the, the first one, it, it's, it was a complete scam. And this is before we had our technology. So we had no way of knowing. The guy switched the account. He, he opened up, as it turns out, he opened up nine new Amazon accounts in different countries, and he moved the inventory into these other entities without us knowing. Again, we didn't have the technology at the time. Turns out this guy's done this three different times hmm. to other other companies. And so uh, we're in the process. We have a judgment against them, and you know, we're going to get paid eventually. That was a complete scam. He did it on purpose. We have one other that we're working through right now that we made a mistake on it. It was, you know, an error on our back end as far as managing, you know, where the money is and going and all that stuff. But, you know, hopefully we'll get paid out of that one. And that one's got a lot of inventory with Amazon. So it's difficult when it's with Amazon. When it's with a 3PL, it's easy. But yeah. with, with Amazon, it's difficult. So we'll find out. But in the end, it looks like, you know, we might have one or two bad accounts out of everything else that we've done. And what ratio do you approve? So uh, is it like 10% of the people that come to you get actually get approved? Or what, what, what's a, a standard uh, kind of ratio of the ones you look at that you say yes to, let's partner up? 
So, so I'm, I'll give you a number in a second, but our issues are that we, since we become a partner in the business, we can't have another loan. So we either have to take the other loan out or, you know, we can't help. So if, the, if you have a, if you have an Amazon lending loan and you come to you, that loan has to be resolved some, some way. It's gotta be paid. So you have to have, you have to be first in line. You have to be first in line. Yeah, we have to be because we're an owner in the company. Otherwise we're liable on that loan. So, you know, we can't do that, but we'll give them the money to pay that off. But, you know, sometimes they'll have, you know, a really favorable term loan somewhere and it doesn't make sense to pay it off. So, you know, that knocks them out of the bar, out of the park right off the bat. And then it's, you know, the inventory. Is the inventory good? Is it turning? Is it profitable? Things like that. But I would say we approve probably about 40 to 50 percent. And uh, we end up closing out of that probably another 50. So if we approve 50 percent, we probably close 50 percent of those. 25 percent. So about 20, 25 percent altogether. And what's what's the maximum you go up to? What's what's like the biggest deal that you've done so far? You know, we say a million, but we've done a million two, a million and a quarter. Uh, We've considered some larger ones. But the problem is, and, and this is the problem with the larger deals too, is people come to us with, you know, $2 million request. All right, we're all excited. We're looking at it. Everything looks great. And then they show us their loans and they've got $3 million of loans and they're with Amazon and whoever else. And they're making monthly payments of, you know, $250,000, $300,000 a month. Yeah. Their profit is less than that. So do you give financial advice to your clients as well? Do you, do you guide them? Like you said earlier, you're, you're in this to help them, not besides just giving them money. But that seems to be a, a big a, a issue. There's a lot of people in this space, including some well-known you know, influencer types or well-known people that are teaching or whatever, that they don't have two nickels to rub together on their business. They, they can show a screenshot of doing you know, 10 million, 15, 30 million, whatever. But uh, when, you, when you dive into it, there's a reason they never sold a business uh, or, or whatever. I mean, so do you see that a lot? And, and do, you, yeah, I do. Do, do you give uh, advice? Do you, do you really get hands on with like your clients and like give them financial advice and strategic planning advice and stuff like that? All the time. So my partner is a Wharton grad and a lawyer. So he's you know brilliant, number one. And I've got you know tremendous experience. So I'll give you an example. Recently, one of our sellers uh, came to me because he had an opportunity. He heard about a very large business that was going to uh, close down. And he thought, is there an opportunity? I said, I don't know, but I know the owner. So let's give him a call. And he goes, yeah, would you do that? Yeah, of course. So we get on a call and we negotiated a deal over a few months for him to buy the business. And you know, we would have to finance it. And I was actually helping him get money outside of us because initially we couldn't go into it. I don't remember the reason, whatever the reason was. Uh, but I was helping him with knowing all of my competitors, who's going to give you the most amount of money. And But within six months, your payments are going to be so freaking high, you got to get out of it. That's when you have to come back to us and we'll, we'll save you with that. You know, with that. So anyway, I, yeah, I help people like that. Uh, I help people all the time. On LinkedIn, I'm constantly getting um, uh, contacts with people that are new in the industry, asking questions, they need help on whatever it is, um, bookkeeping, accounting, how does this work? How does that work? Uh, I'll sit down with anybody anytime and go through and review any deal that they have financially, you know, to see if it makes sense or not. 
and I don't give it, I don't really care about selling the deal. I just want to do the right thing by them. Is there any kind of like back of the paper math or just a quick little formula that people can use that if, if they have X amount of profit, let's say it's 20% profit margin, they should not take any kind of financing, whether it's from you guys or from anybody else that's over, you know, a certain percentage uh, to, to stay is there some, some sort of uh, formula that's just a quick down and dirty formula that uh, you can analyze different deals with when you're, when you're looking to raise money as a seller? There isn't, but I'll give you an example. It wouldn't work anyway because, you know, the, the lenders are, they're not out to tell you the truth and give you the whole deal. It's just the way it is. It's the way the whole industry has been forever. There's no lending contract that's in your favor. It just has never happened. So I'll give you an example. And this is a pretty common loan that's out there right now. And you'll hear, you know, when I say it, you'll understand. And, it, you know, it's not one company. It's across the board. This is, so imagine getting a loan. Hey, we only charge 6%. All right. Now I think it's up to 8%. But we only charge 6%. Wow, that's a great deal. So let's say you, you borrow $100,000. But it's based upon your revenue. So you're going to pay a heavy amount back. And the first time it might be seven months or six months. But after that, they're going to knock it down. The goal from a lending standpoint on those deals is to have you repay it in four months, three to four months. So let's say you pay it back in four months. All right. So 100000 over four months. What's your average outstanding loan for those four months? It's not 100. It's 50. So you're really borrowing $50,000 for four months. So now you just increased from 6,000, 6% or $6,000 on 100 grand. To 12. Now you're paying 12%. Yep. And now what are you going to have to do in four months? You have to refinance that three times. So just bottom line, before you even blink your eye, you're at 36 to 40%. Yep. But you think you're paying 6%. Yeah, it's the same thing with Amazon lending. The Amazon lending is the same. You see that 13% or whatever the number is there. And it's over four months, yep. six months. Uh, no, it's actually double that and add a few for cause of the compounding and stuff. And, the, and it's, yeah, it, it, a lot of people don't understand that. Let me, let, me, let me stay with that for a second because it's worse than that if you think about it. Here, here's, and I've said this to many sellers and they all go, oh my God, you're absolutely right because they've gone through this and you'll appreciate this. You borrow 100 grand from Amazon and you, know, you may not need 100 grand, but it's an ego thing. So Amazon offers you 100, you take 100, maybe you need 50. So now you're leaving 50 in the bank. You know, as a as a reserve, you feel very good. At, you know, you you've been in business long as I have. You feel very good when you have a ton of cash in the bank, but now you just doubled your cost because you really only needed fifty to apply it to inventory. Let's say to build your business, you took a hundred. You're paying ten percent, whatever the number is. So you're paying ten thousand, not on a hundred, but you're really paying it on fifty. And now you know now you you're paying that back. Anywhere from six to nine months, typically. I've seen a couple go out to you know ten and twelve months, but I've seen most of them a short term, and then you're refinancing it. It's not a good deal. And so, sometimes, though, the best time to get money is when you don't need the money, and it depends on how you're going to allocate. Like Apple computer, uh, Apple just recently you know, they got billions of dollars in cash sitting in the bank, but they just took out a four billion dollar loan. Yep. And they got whatever, I don't know what the number is, 17, 20 billion, what are some crazy, way more than 4 billion just sitting in the bank in cash. Well, not sitting, but you know, it's, it's deployed, but it's basically, it's liquid. Right. Why would a company like that do that? Or why should an e-commerce company that's maybe flush right now consider 
partnering with someone like you or, or taking taking a loan rather than dipping into their own cash. It's the same like with movies. They say never finance a movie with your own money. It's true. Yeah, don't do it. Trust me, don't do it. <laughs> but, you know, Apple or any of the big companies, you know, they're able to hit the bond market and, you know, get money at three and four percent and, you know, even lower at times and probably much lower. So why not take that money? It's so cheap. It's like when I was in college and they came out with student loans. I didn't need a student loan because I was working full time and I made my own money and I paid for college. But I took out a student loan to buy stocks. And the money I put into stocks, I bought my first house with. You know, so it was cheap money. Why would I not take it? Same thing with Apple. Uh, so it just makes all the sense in the world for them to you know, have more cash, not use their own. And now they have dry powder. If they're thinking about acquisitions, they can go after it in an instant. And what was the second part of the question? I'm sorry, Kevin. It, well, is accrue me cheap money? No, I don't think we're cheap money. I don't think there is cheap money in the industry. But with us, you can manage it. So you were also asking about um, you know, why would anybody want to use our money, let's say, if they're flush with cash. Yeah. My mind, you shouldn't. You should use your cash as much as you can and much you're comfortable with. But with us, you know, it's a good time to get comfortable. We're a different model than everybody else. Nobody's ever done what we do. We did it in, in, you know, as if we're sitting on the side of the cellar. What would be what would we want? And you mentioned rich uncle. You know, that's a lot of people call us. You're like a rich uncle. You know, you're giving us all of this and you're not taking, a, a, you know, you're taking all the risk, but you're not taking a lot of the income and a lot of the, you know, whatever from the company. You know, no equity and all. So it's a good time to start with us at a low level just to get comfortable. You know, don't you need, you know, eventually in a few months, you're going to need 100 grand, let's say. You start with us with 10 or 20. Get comfortable with the system. If you don't like it, pay it back. If you don't like it and you pay it back in 30 days, it costs you zero. You don't like it and four months from now, you want to pay it back, you pay it back. It's There's no risk. There's no 30-day notice. There's no penalty. None of that. You call me up this morning and say, Don, I want to pay you off. You you already know the number. Just wire the money in. There's no There's nothing. So what happens when that happens? Does that uh, bank account that you guys that's set up, does that just dissolve and they, they switch it back to to their yep. other account or whatever? Yeah, we don't close it immediately. We leave it up to the seller, you know, whatever you want us to do. So typically they ask us to leave it open. Some sellers have said, can you leave it open for a few months because I'm sure I'm going to want to come back. And we say, yeah, but, you know, truthfully, what you should do is just leave like a $5,000 balance, something small, so everything stays. And then you come back and you want to, you know, pull out 80 grand, it's in your account the same day. You know, it doesn't make sense to close it. But if you want to close it, close it. So some people say that, you know, they don't really think through the process of they need to raise money. And some people go out and they give equity away. You know, they get the rich uncle and the, they yeah. give the rich uncle 10% or 20% or whatever and bring them in as a, like a silent partner. But other because they say, I don't want loans. Loans are bad. Interest is bad. But that's not necessarily true. And in your case, it's almost like the best of two worlds. You're, you're getting the money. Yes, there's a, some interest, but you're not taking any equity. Uh, and you're that's allowing right. people to have breathing room rather than you got this payment that's due on the first and the 15th or whatever, every single month. That's, you know, a lot of money. You're like, if you need breathing room this month, fine. Uh, you know, we're, we're still here with you, which I think is a, is a major advantage to a lot of sellers. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't give up equity. And I think most of most of the sellers that use us and have used us in the past love that we don't take equity. That's probably their biggest thing. You know, they can get money anywhere. And with us, they have the flexibility. They have the cash flow. If they from a growth standpoint, the whole key is for us is growth. You're going to be able to use all the money for growth. You know, my example earlier, the twenty thousand dollars and we earned one thousand, you earned three you're able to use not only the 20,000, but now the additional 1,000. If you add all that up, so that company went from $20,000 of capital to 40,000, we gave them the other 20. The next month they have 44,000. The month after that, it's like 48 or 49,000. Then they're up to like, you know, 54. You know, it's amazing how fast these companies grow. What's an example of one that started with you small? Have you had one that started with say 20, 40, 50,000 now? Their capital oh, yeah. is half a million or a million. And just because of working with you guys, that they've just exploded. And it's given them that, that, that leverage, I guess, to explode. I, I can give you a bunch of them, but I'll give you uh, the worst one and the best one at the same time. Same guy, a uh, guy from Israel, really good guy. And he came to us and he took out whatever it was, you know, 50 grand, 250 grand. I don't remember. And four months later, he called me. And he goes, Don, I'm sorry, I have to pay you off. I said, why? And he said, because I've made so much money. I don't. I have all this cash now. I don't know what to do with it. I have to pay you off. He, he, the money that we gave him just like lit a fire in his business. So he paid us off faster than anybody else ever. But it's only because he had so much money. Uh, a kid last year, uh, last December, not, not 22, but in 21, came to us, he made a net profit of $1,500 in December. In January, we gave him 25 grand. We gave him more in February, more in March. By May, his net profit was 44,000. By July, his net profit was 56,000. And I don't know where he is now, but probably, you know, 70 or something, maybe 90 net profit. But to go from, you know, $1,500 in net profit to you know, close to a hundred thousand a month in net profit is mind blowing. Another guy, this guy, uh, uh, it's interesting. We don't just do private label; we do private label, wholesale, and retail arbitrage. And so, just this is an interesting one. This guy, uh, retail arbitrage, came to us. He earned twenty five hundred dollars in profit. Okay, we get started. Just a little over a year, so it was thirteen months later. His net profit also grew to $44,000. Then he you know, uh, uh, hung around that number, 39000 45000 per month in net profit. Mm. Then he came to us and said, hey, do you know any, um, any wholesale distributors? And yeah, we do. He, and he's a great guy and a great business. So we introduced him to a distributor. He started investing like $40,000 a month in wholesale, making money there. And now I haven't talked to him recently, but at the end of last year, he was telling me that uh, at the beginning of this year, he's launching his first private label product. And so he's another one that's going to be go from twenty five thousand dollars a month in profit to I bet you by this time next year, he'll be you know, 70 to 100 thousand dollars a month in profit. You know, it's life changing. And there's a bunch of them. So since a, a lot of people are taking they don't pay you off quickly in four months like the fellow from Israel. You have a lot of capital tied up out there. Is this, do you have outside, is, is this some like big VC firm that's invested capital? Have you had to raise money? Is this your own personal money that dumped in? Or how do you keep that, that flywheel going when you're constantly adding new, uh, new cash to bring on new clients? 
It's a great question. So, you know, before I jump into that real quick with the guy from Israel, when he paid me off, I said, well, do me a favor. Would you tell your friends? He goes, he literally said, are you kidding me? This is a miracle. I'm telling everybody. <laughs> so it was great. <laughs> so, yeah. So what we did initially is, you know, uh, I went out on Wall Street, you know, really on Broadway, Upper, upper West Side on Broadway in New York with my partner initially. And we were going into the first hedge fund and it's controlled by a billionaire and who knew me and had wanted to work with me in other projects. So when before we go in, I said to my partner, do you know what 242 is? And he said, no. I said, 242 is the number of pitches that Howard Schultz from Starbucks made before anybody put money into Starbucks. I said, so we're not going in to get money. We're going to get our asses kicked. These are the smartest freaking people. They're going to, while we're sitting there, they're going to build a spreadsheet that's going to make ours look like, you know, it was done in kindergarten. They're going to know more about our business than anything. They're going to ask us questions that are going to make it, uh, us uncomfortable. And all we can do is do our best in here and learn as much as we can. And the best we can hope for is to be invited back. And we'll have to come back and answer their concerns. And we got invited back. Long story short, six weeks later, we got a, a, a term sheet for $100 million. So that's the way we kicked off, uh, plus, plus an equity investment as well. Then from there, we've had so many other um, you know, hedge funds and family offices from around the country and around the world looking to put money into the business. And what we've tried not to do is take, take too much, because if you take too much, you have to pay uh, fees on that money, and it's a pain in the neck. So it's something that we manage. But interestingly enough, when we started the business, we started it with my money. And, you know, our first few accounts, I said to my partner, you know, this is probably all going to be lost. And he said, I know. And I said, you know, kind of kind of nerve wracking, but I think we're going to learn how to do this properly. And it might cost us, you know, some money to do it, but we're going to learn. We didn't lose anything. In fact, our very first account is still with us. That's three and a half, almost four years now. And happy as could be. Yeah, it's great. Well, hey, you know what else, Kev? On Seller Central, we are the number one rated capital provider on Seller Central. All five stars. Uh, on Google, we have just about all five stars. You know, we're proud of that. We love that. That's awesome. So if people wanted to learn more about, uh, about accrue me and about what you guys can do to help them, how, how would they do that? So, you know, what I would say is just go to accrueme.com. This website's basic. It's simple. And A-C-C-R-U-E-M-E, accrue me. And it basically what it means is, you know, we let our profits, our share of the profits accrue as long as you want them to accrue. Uh, you can pay us at any time. Uh, or you can also um, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I, you know, I communicate with everybody. So it's my full name, Donald, as if my mother was calling me for dinner. Uh, when she's angry. And uh, my last name is Hennig, H-E-N-I-G. And, you know, again, you'll check out my background. You'll see what I've done. Uh, you see the type of person I am. And, you know, I help people whether they're in the industry or not. If I can help them in any way, even with encouragement, I do. That's what I did. Awesome, Don. I really appreciate your time today and for, for sharing. Uh, this has been great. Kevin, it's really a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Your questions were great. I love it. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Don. We're talking about money 
And don't forget the Billion Dollar Seller Summit, the virtual edition is coming up next week. It's not too late to get a ticket. There's just a handful left. So be sure to go to BillionDollarSellerSummit.com and get your spot for this incredible summit. There's a lot of great speakers. There's a lot of great content. It's all live, nothing pre-recorded. You can interact with the other attendees. You can interact with the speakers. The average in the room last time was doing about $12 million a year on Amazon. So it's a high level group. You definitely want to be there if you're serious about your Amazon business. And you definitely want to be back next week for the next episode of the AMPM podcast as well. And before we go today, I've just got a little bit of words of wisdom for you. If you don't make time for your wellness, you must make time for your illness. If you don't make time for your wellness, you must make time for your illness. We'll see you again next week and hopefully at the Billion Dollar Seller Summit as well. 